Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Good. Okay, folks, uh, welcome to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickman, and uh, it is this afternoon already. We got with us Richard Brown from the law firm of uh, Sachs, Domberger, and Vita. How are you, Richard? Doing well. How are you? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You go by Richard, Rick, Rich? Uh, Rich is fine. I usually go by Rich. Okay, Rich. Excellent. Good. That's fine. N- n- nice to have you. Um, Thank you for so- having me. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's uh, we just passed morning. Are you still drinking coffee? What's your morning beverage of choice? Uh, my my morning coffee is dragging on today, so it's actually my morning and afternoon coffee. Um, today it's a macchiato, usually that, but uh, when I'm in the office, it often it often goes to just black coffee. Black uh, coffee. Yeah, keep it simple. Uh, keep that caffeine pumping. So <laughs> that's uh, that's usually where you find me. And you guys are all back in the office now? Uh, it's, for the most part, uh, we're, we're back in the office, but, um, you know, we have somewhat of a uh, loose rule around uh, working from home um, that's kind of evolved over time. Sure. Seeing with most folks in most offices, but um, those people with younger kids, you probably find them in the office more often than not, uh, you know, in order to get some work done. But so are you one of those? I am. I am. I have a, I have a, a four-year-old now. He actually turned four two days ago. Wow, congrats. Uh, and a six-year-old. Wow. So two boys. Um, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of work, but a lot of great times. And uh, coaching a, a flag football team for my oldest uh, was roped into that. Um, no, no design to be a coach, but it worked out, and I'm, I'm having a great time doing that. So. Yeah, I it, that, that I'm telling you, you're gonna look back and you're gonna like pine for those days. I mean, my I just dropped my uh, so my daughter's a junior in college at uh, Skidmore, and my son he just started Drexel, and okay. I co I coached his, everything. I, I I never missed one event. Yeah, it's great. And now my my four year old he's playing uh, t balls first time uh, first time playing t ball so. He's really picking picking that up and loving it, but um, I do. It, it's it's a great time with all of oh, it. Good stuff. Were yeah. you an athlete growing up? I, I was. Um, I guess you could say that. Uh, I, I played baseball primarily growing up, um, and then in high school, I mostly football. And in college, I played a few years in uh, at Bryant. So I played college football. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. What position? I played linebacker uh, inside and. Switched off some fullback as well. Very good. Yeah. What what, uh, what uh, division is is Bryant? Now they are Division One, but there was a bit of a shuffling, uh, you know, subsequent to my graduating. So I think we were Division Two at the time. Okay, so you had pretty competitive football there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Nice. So that must have been decent, right? No. <laughs> I, I would think so. Do you have you have a you don't have a TBI or anything like that, do you? From playing football, I linebacker, you were banging heads. You know that's that's funny you bring that up. I was having a conversation yesterday about uh, allowing my boys to play football, and and I'm torn on the issue because uh, I think sports are a great way to build character. 
you know, put team first, yep. um, not yourself, and particularly football. You know, you need 11 people all working toward the same end in order to get a play to go correctly. So, um, you know, the flip side of that is what you brought up, the, the traumatic brain injuries. Um, what they're finding now is that any brain that they study that comes out of the NFL has some level of CTE. Um, that's scary. So I, it's, I agree. It's like you, you realize that even a minor impact that you didn't think was a big deal, it's like yeah. can cause damage. And it's also the volume of, of impacts, right? They don't right. necessarily need to cause a concussion and be a major impact. It's the repetitive hitting, the repetitive contact that is a problem as well. So, yeah. um, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do about that. Football is just an inherently violent game. Uh, it is. You can't, you can't legislate around that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's an, I, listen, I remember uh, my freshman year of high school, maybe it was my sophomore year back then, I was, and I was, I was on the JV team. And I remember like in practice, you know, bang, hidden helmets. And we had like the cheap, you know, helmets and the, the varsity team had the big heavy oh, water. Probably like it was just metal on your head, right? You see stars every single time and it's like yeah i think i'm done with this like you know i remember i i played basketball instead of saying i'm done with football like and it's a different it was a much different approach back then coaches which you know toughen up get back out on the field absolutely you know, go get some water i don't want to hear it and get back out there um there was a number of occasions where i remember that going on uh it's a, just a completely different mindset. Different oh, mindset. I, I won't share with you all the stories, but it, it was insane. It was, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. But there was a guy that I knew and an entrepreneur in uh, Bethesda, Maryland that came up with a device, not to mm -hmm. stop concussions, but to detect the size of the blow on helmets. And it was, a, what was interesting is that a lot of the, uh, the coaches in the leagues, they refused to use it and acknowledge really? it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I wonder why that would be. Well, was that earlier on when there was still uh, kind of climate change uh, deniers going on? Oh, it was all part of that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it was part related to climate change, but I mean, people just didn't want to acknowledge that football was dangerous because they didn't want to stop what they were doing, right? But, but that's what I mean. I mean, some not to get too political, but some people believe that that climate change is just it's a figment of really our imagination. That before there's some you know, there's, <laughs> there's people that believe that, and you know earlier on with the NFL in particular, there was just deniers. That oh, absolutely, to, yeah, you know because of the repercussions. So, um, yeah, I mean, if there were some device out there, you would think that they would be open to. You, would, you would think it. it's just like I know I got my head really my bell rung here. It's like I should keep them off the field. For a yeah. little bit that's all it was it wasn't you weren't preventing it because there's no way right. to prevent it yeah so anyway anyway as as an aside but we'll we'll, we'll move on from from that but uh no i agree with you i mean i i have a bias towards you know I, you're hiring people that came from athletic backgrounds because i i agree it's like this team effort right yeah. competitive we, we have somewhat of a um uh, a hiring by committee process here mm. um, that I'm often involved with. And absolutely part of that process, at least with me, is, is digging around a bit in the background, figuring out if there is some uh, some sports, some team athletics involved uh, there and, and how that's impacted the individual. Because 
I, I try and bring that to our practice as well. Yeah. You know, uh, that, that team approach, we're all, we all have our roles, none are more important than the other, and we're all working toward the same end. Um, I think it needs to be that way if you want to be effective in, in any team that you operate in. So um, that's definitely a component of our, or at least my my hiring process or screening. So Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. You have an interesting background. You got an MBA too from Quinnipiac? Yes, yes. That's interesting. So you you weren't thinking about law school then, you were thinking about business. Uh, right, and, and coming from Bryant, I thought it was kind of a natural- Business school. Yeah. Right, my, kind of a natural extension or progression there as far as uh, uh, going for the uh, MBA as well. And they have a great program, a dual program for the JD MBA at oh, Quinnipiac. Oh, oh so, I see. Oh, you did that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a whole uh, program um, that they've had for a number of years now, a, a while, that uh, allows you to take advantage of both schools there. Um, oh, I see. How many yeah. years is the program? It it basically extends you out to, you know, law school, earning your JD is typically about three years. Yeah. You're, you're kicked out probably now. I don't want to say four years, full, full, four full years, but it's, it's around there given the amount of credits. It is. Yeah, it is. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, (laughs) And, and the cost is uh, not for the faint of heart either. That's a, yeah. You know, it's expensive. Yeah. No, yeah, it's so, one of the schools I looked at. Actually, interesting. I actually went on the campus. A really nice setting. It's beautiful in Hamden from there. Yeah. Oh sleeping yeah. Sleeping giant. Sleeping giant. Um, New Haven, right next door. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful campus. They're they're known for uh, hockey, right? Hockey. They are. They are. Uh, one of uh, one of the attorneys that works for us. Her husband actually coaches uh, the goalies for for the Quinnipiac team. So. Um, they are, they're, I mean, within the country, you know, top five team. Oh yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. 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 We, uh, it was my daughter when she was going to school, we were like coming back and that was like on the path. They said, we need to stop by and just check the school. So I drove on the campus. Otherwise I probably never would have been there, but yeah, it it was a cool place. Yeah. Uh, And you said you're in Florida, right? I I live in, yeah, Yeah. I live South, like South of West Palm Beach now. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically New York transplants. Yeah. Everybody uh, likes the Yankees down here. Been down to West Palm Beach more recently a number of times. So it's beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's, we're getting into the nice weather now, now that the summer is finally tapering off here. It's cold up here today. It's about 55 degrees this morning. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man, uh, it happens fast. Always the right does. Labor Day. Yeah. It does. So interesting. Uh, yeah. So, so let's talk about your law practice. Um, t- tell me about wh- what you guys do and what you focus on. So Sachs, Dornberger, and Vita, and you said it perfectly, by the way. Great job. Uh, Thank you. Uh, we represent insurance policy holders um, in disputes with their insurance companies uh, that, you know, often go to litigation. Um, but we also have more of what you could call a transactional practice where, um, it may not be a, a, a dispute per se, but it's a situation where, uh, you know, maybe we review a policy and, and advise uh, a policyholder, typically a corporate policyholder, on what the scope of coverage is provided, maybe limitations or exclusions uh, that are on the policy and 
you know, what, what they're actually getting for the money that they paid for. Yep. Um, and oftentimes that leads to litigation. So um, we, that's what we do. We, we often find ourselves um, filing suit against insurance companies on behalf of their policyholders, whether it's a corporate policyholder or an individual. Um, that's, that's our clientele. Um, we never represent around them. any kind of insurance or is there a focus? Uh, any kind of insurance, really. Uh, I'd say that our firm historically has, has kind of been built around the construction industry. Okay. And uh, our clients are, are some of the largest construction outfits in the country and, and some even uh, globally. Um, I'd say in the past five to eight years, we've been able to really diversify that client base, mm. the, the industries, and in turn, the uh, different lines of coverage that uh, we deal with. But absolutely, uh, anything related to insurance or risk transfer generally, uh, that's that's all in our wheelhouse. Are those uh, are those alternative fee arrangements or your billing? Uh, well, we're 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 open to alternative fee arrangements, and I think we we pride ourselves as being a firm that you know would consider uh, something other than what would be you know typical um, on that front. Uh, for purposes of better serving our clients. Um, you know, there's peace of mind that comes with being able to offer a client a flat fee for a certain discrete scope of work, yep. right? They can, they can go back to their superiors or go back uh, on their own and understand that I'm not going to be charged anything more than this flat fee, you know, and I'm, I'm still getting the top rate ser service. So we do pride ourselves on that one, one, area is the uh, somewhat problematic is with litigation um it's difficult to you know offer any type of alternative yeah, sure. outside of a contingency which you know can come up from time to time as well um where you would your your fee itself would be based on the success of the action yeah, the recovery. yeah. so how often do you do those kind of uh, um i i would say more frequently of late in the past three or five years okay uh, uh, more opportunities have come up where uh, clients may not necessarily have the appetite to incur, you know, the the fees associated with uh, prosecuting the coverage suit, a declaratory judgment action. Um, and it's if the economics make sense, we'll we'll, we'll consider it further uh, a contingency approach. So, well, if you're doing construction, I would imagine you get some pretty big verdicts. Um, it's funny you say that. Our, our area of the law is very heavily based upon uh, contracts, the interpretation of contracts, um, you know, application of, of those contracts to relevant fact pattern, uh, maybe in an underlying bodily injury suit or property damage claim. Yeah. And, and with that, there is, there's often not uh, a uh, situation where you would find yourself going to trial and actually okay. getting a judgment because most most of the actions we're involved with are either disposed of uh, by way of summary judgment or dispositive motion or what oftentimes occurs and we were talking earlier about my being in Boston and I was in, in Boston for a mediation you get an opportunity to really negotiate sit down after the strengths and weaknesses have been brought out through the litigation 
and you re get a better understanding of where each party stands, you then go to mediation or a similar forum and you 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 hash out a, a negotiated settlement there. That's that's typically the course that we would find ourselves uh, undertaking. Got it. Um, but you know, similar to like you know a big catastrophic industry, do you have those kind of cases where there are big dollars at stake? Uh, of course, of yeah. course. Uh, the the matter I was just talking to you about is a a, a twenty million dollar claim uh, related to. Um, a condominium high-rise that was being constructed on the Boston Seaport Harbor. Wow. Um, and there was an issue with the tidal waters coming onto the job site. It was earlier on in the project. There was uh, an issue with tidal waters coming onto the job site um, and some damage that flowed there from a few other issues that I'm I'm questioning whether or not I should really disclose at this point, but oh, you don't uh, need to. Do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh it's an interesting case. Um, is this an ongoing case right now? It is. I'm 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 comfortable discussing oh, it a bit. But is this new? Is this new construction or something that was new? Already? New new construction. Oh, they're still building new. on the seaport. No kidding. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, actually, the the project itself is is just wrapping up. Uh, okay. Beautiful, beautiful high rise building. Um. Yeah, so foundation issues and uh, like I said, uh, our initial demand and our, our losses was around $20 million. So, um, and that's on, I, I don't wanna say on the lower end, but it's, there are larger ones. We are involved in another matter in, in New York, um, in Manhattan, that's uh, a, a billion dollar loss uh, mm. where we're, we're representing um, one of many uh, plaintiffs against a group of carriers. Okay. Uh, so uh, again, are those uh, contingency cases where you're getting it? Um, those can, those cases in particular are not. Um, again, like I said before, uh, some circumstances lend themselves better to that mm -hmm. arrangement. Those those don't necessarily. If you have a situation, usually where. Uh, maybe a suit was uh, filed against your client, an underlying property damage, or, or like I said, bodily injury suit, and they incur, uh, you know, a great deal of fees for defending that action. But their insurance carrier denied coverage and refused to provide that defense. That situation may lend itself better to a contingency. You know, okay. we incurred three million dollars worth of defense fees. SDV, we want to hire you to pursue our insurer to make a recovery there, but our coffers are empty. We can't, we can't fund that pursuit. Would you agree with us to, you know, uh, handle this on a contingency basis where, you know, you can get a 20%, 30%, what have you of that contingency sure. recovery. Got it, got it. You know? okay. So th those, those situations come up. Um, we've actually, like I said, more, more and more frequently of late found ourselves at least considering uh, contingency arrangement. Is that the is the bulk of your practice around the construction industry? Or you do other? Uh, I would say probably sixty five percent of our oh, no kidding okay. our practice is construction or construction related. Maybe even a bit higher. You know. Wow. Who are the yeah. big construction companies now out there? I remember it used to be Perini and Gilbane. Uh, Gilbane is a client of ours. Okay. Uh, uh, Turner Construction, we're, Turner. we're cover, National Coverage Council for Turner Construction. Uh, Lend Lease is one of the larger construction outfits in, in the world. 
Um, who else? We work for uh, related. We do work for, and actually we have uh, a number of our clients currently are our insurance brokers as well. And that's been really a forte into uh, access to their clients, yeah. right? And assisting and servicing them and, uh, you know, gaining their trust through that process as well. So, um, yeah, obviously, uh, the larger clients are escaping me at the moment. Uh, That's okay. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I we start have, off we have in, a strong presence. In, oh, in good. The yeah, I, I, I know those names. I started off in the construction management business many moons ago. Okay. In fact, I remember walking into uh, Gil Bain's office in Boston mm -hmm. looking for a job. I just literally walked in up the street. Yeah. It's a, it's a good approach. I mean, they might appreciate that, right? I think they did actually. Yeah. Um, I ended up not, I actually worked for a uh, Stone and Webster, which is no longer even around anymore. Mm -hmm. And they were on Summer Street in Boston. Now, what were you doing for them? I was, uh, I was a civil engineer. Um, okay. As, and I worked on a, on a nuclear power plant in Western Pennsylvania it was my first job. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you you at least know the same circles that we I do. probably typically run in. Yeah, I do. Suffolk. Suffolk is another one that's sure. a client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. I can picture the signs. Yeah, Suffolk. yeah, yeah. So um, that's kind of an element of our our client base in our practice that is very attractive to me as well, and and really has kept me here. We work for a very informed group of people. Um, they know what they're doing. They're on you know, they're on the cutting edge of uh, construction risk transfer and, and insurance issues are so prevalent in the industry Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, they're almost forced to be, but we've been able to carve out a, a place there and show our value and, and build up, build up a practice as a result. So. Oh, good. Now, yeah. do you find yourself going into the courtroom and litigating these cases? Yes. I'd, I'd say, less so over the past two years, obviously yeah, with COVID, yeah. but yes, we are, um, we, we handle from filing to, to right through trial, right through decision, even appeals. Um, so yes, uh, myself, I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity as much given, I guess my place uh, within the firm now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've argued before the highest court in New York, uh, uh, related to a property damage claim and insurance coverage there. That was a, that was a situation where our client was facing a claim of $33 million against them um, for some uh, property damage that occurred uh, to Bellevue Hospital um, as a result of a construction project they were the, the managers of. So um, that was actually one of the first cases I was assigned here mm. uh, when, I, when I started back in 2012. And um that went all the way up through like i said the highest court in new york it was a great opportunity to to head out to albany and, and argue before the court um we ultimately did not prevail on uh, uh that decision but um what we did do is get some clarification as to the law uh with respect to insurance coverage uh for what's called additional insurance under a general liability policy. So it was, again, a great experience and uh, got to, I guess you could say, make a mark to some degree, yeah, yeah. you know, so. Are any of these jury trials or are they all like bench trials? Uh, they can be jury trials. They can be, okay. um, 
often that's a tool that that we utilize as policyholder counsel. Insurance companies don't want to have these these disputes go before a jury. Sure. Um, it's just, you know, one matter that we just resolved in uh, district court in New Jersey recently, we, we uh, negotiated a settlement. Um, it was a situation where there was a, a sports inflatable dome structure uh, in New Jersey. Again, that was it collapsed under the weight of ice and snow. There was a nor'easter that deposited upwards of two feet of snow in, in the matter of a couple hours. Yep. Um, the dome collapsed. Uh, the, the insurance policy that was purchased actually covered damage or collapse that mm -hmm. occurs from or results from the weight of ice and snow. Yep. It seems pretty straightforward, but um, the insurance company didn't necessarily agree. Uh, and we, the reason why I bring it up is we were pushing very hard to get that in front of a jury. Mm. And that was one of the points that we really leaned upon and, and leveraged in negotiating with the insurance company to say, hey, you don't want this to go before a jury that's going to have a very clear recollection of this storm that occurred, right? Um, this is a well-known company within this area of New Jersey. It's not going to fare well for you. Um, and you know, we think that was a component of our successful resolution there. So um, to, to your question, yes, uh, you know, jury trials are very much a part of our practice. Got it. So have you have you had the opportunity to do it yourself through a jury trial? Uh, not, not through to a verdict. Not, I have not. Um, I look at that as kind of a, a positive. I, 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 I believe that what we do, again, it lends itself uh, much more to uh, a resolution outside of the courthouse. Yeah, no, most cases settle. We know yeah. that, but I mean, yeah. but I mean, everybody, you know, every trial attorney wants to go before a jury, jury trial, right? I, I guess then maybe I'm not a, a, a trial attorney. I guess you can say that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I look forward to doing that. I mean, I guess my question is, do you, you know, would you like to do that at some point? If the opportunity presents itself, yeah. of course, of yeah. course, definitely. Definitely. I haven't had the opportunity though. Um, close, uh, you know, but I haven't had the opportunity. It, it will likely present itself. I'm yeah. sure. Got it. You know, so, so, so how did, so how did you actually make the decision to become a lawyer? How did that happen? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I actually found a couple of years back that I had written, uh, you know, a quick paragraph, maybe it was in third grade or something that I wanted to be a lawyer. Really? I don't know. Yeah, I, I found that. Um, I still have that to this day. I was surprised to see that. I didn't remember doing it, but I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, uh, side note, my father, I also have a writing that he was maybe four or five, six years old. He wanted to be a bachelor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I went to, I, like I said before, I was going to Bryant to business school and uh, enjoying myself, but not necessarily knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and an ex-girlfriend of mine had uh, family members that were, you know, in the legal field. She was going to pursue um, taking the law school's admission test. Uh, and, you know, I became aware of it in, in that process and it intrigued me a bit more and began looking into law school further, um, took the test and did fairly well and 
just went from there. I just didn't necessarily know or have a great understanding of where I wanted to be coming out of uh, my undergrad. Yeah. You know, so um, I've always, I've always enjoyed uh, getting into a, uh, a debate uh, with folks. And I've always prided myself on the ability to see, I guess you can say holes uh, in, in people's positions and um, being able to pull that out and identify it and, and put, put that in front of them. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been a natural process, I guess you could say. Uh, it's, it's really, I like to be organic, I, I say. Uh, the more things uh, can kind of occur in the natural course, the better. But um, yeah, that's totally. kind of how it came about. Got it. Totally, totally interesting. And how'd you have the foresight, like the, the whole uh, JD MBA? Was that like a way to hedge your bets or you just thought but, it would be helpful? Again, nat it seemed like a natural extension. I enjoyed the, the coursework uh, that I took at Bryant and there were similar uh, courses with, with the MBA. And, you know, given the program, like I said, it's a fairly well-known program with the, the dual JD uh, MBA at Quinnipiac. Um, mm. I was intrigued right away. So uh, went that route. And I think it's, I think it served me well in the positions that I've held um, prior to here and, and here, frankly, uh, I work a lot with our, our finance group. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a small business element to yeah, that, that sure. you, you know, you absolutely have to have that baseline understanding of business concepts, uh, accounting, yep. things like that. So um, it's been very helpful to me. Um, and, you know, to the extent somebody was coming up and considering that further, I would absolutely recommend that they, they go that route if it's available to them. Is, is Brian solely a business school or they have other curriculum? Uh, I, I would characterize them as such, but I know yep. that they've, they've branched out in terms of, um, you know, maybe offering some, uh, more sociology or psychology minors. I don't know that they offer those as as uh, majors if they offer degrees in those areas, but it, okay. it's, it's a business school. Yeah. So like uh, Bentley, like Bentley or? Brian, Bentley, Babson. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the three of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Very good. Interesting. Yeah. So. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. And, and you grew up in um, Fairfield County. Is that where you grew up? I grew up, we're in, our offices are in Trumbull, Connecticut. I'm actually right now, uh, I'm probably 10 minutes away from where I grew up in Stratford. Uh, so literally 10 minutes from, from the house I grew up in, but, uh, oh. yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love Stratford. I've loved all about everything about Stratford. I appreciate my upbringing there. Uh, my wife and I, uh, along with our two boys, we live in Orange, Connecticut now, which is probably just outside of New Haven, maybe 15 minutes from here. Um, I like to say that she's very prideful of coming from Milford, Connecticut. And like I said, um, same here with Stratford. So we, we agreed that we couldn't go to either of those places. So we'd have to settle for Orange. Middle. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice little town. Um, great school system, which is why we're kind of there. So um oh, good. been there been there ever been probably to, you, ever been to Pepe's, you ever been to Pepe's pizza 
Of course. It's it's funny. <laughs> You've brought up a few uh, different uh, topics now that I just I was just spe- speaking about this. Um, Pepe's is actually all over now. They have one. One down the, here now. Yeah, actually, they're opening one here. Yeah. Yeah. In the casino. Um, there's one in Fairfield. There's uh, a couple all over the place. So, you know, I don't know that it's you, it's difficult to duplicate that that uh, that wood fired oven there that they have right. in New Haven and the taste that comes from that. But, oh, yeah. you know, I, I love pizza. So I had the privilege of uh, eating there actually on, on that trip to Quinnipiac. It's funny. We stopped yeah. there. But there's there's a bunch of those like sort of competing pizza yeah. shops, right? Yeah. Yep. Sally's um, Modern is another one that's over there. Uh, you know, Pepe's, as you said. So, um there's a bunch of all you know there's a bunch of italian restaurants in that area that are just tremendous if yeah. you ever find yourself in the area again uh consiglio's um there's, there's a bunch of them so yeah uh, great food there in new haven well the one good thing about south florida is it's almost like new york boston where the pizza places pizza pasta yeah there's, there's transplants right oh my there. god yes oh so, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, uh, yeah, almost in every little neighborhood, you get a pizza place or, you know, pasta place. It's pretty funny, actually. It's the one thing you can count on here. That's good food. Do you think the pizza is, you know, it's made in similar fashion? Is it, I don't want to say, is it just as good? Because I, it is actually, really, it's actually pretty good. I got to tell you, uh, have you seen, you know, the guy Barstool Pizza guy that, sure, right? sure. yeah, yeah. So uh, he, he's pretty comical guy. He's uh, but he's been down here and he's um, and he's given his uh, ranking of, of the pizza places down here. Yeah, um, okay. it's unlimited. It's, it really is, honestly, like being in the Northeast. I'll have to take your word for it. I have family uh, in the St. Pete, Tampa area. Um, so my my experience with they're not as good. There, no, 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 and stuff like that. That's no, 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 no. You got to come to Southeast <laughs> Florida. To- All right. Totally different. All right. Totally different. Yeah, I, I'll definitely. You have to give me some recommendations. I'll give you some um, recommendations. Yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. Um, so um, let me ask you this because we're a legal tech company. Um, technology. I mean, does your firm leverage technology, and what, what's the view on that? I uh, I think we have attempted to. To do so in the in the past, recent past, um, and some projects that involved uh, you know technology and and um, utilizing the cloud, et cetera, have been uh, more successful than others. But yep. we all recognize as a firm and as a partner group that that's an absolute necessity uh, for staying at the top, um, maintaining an edge, and and really better servicing our clients. Um, so we're, we're somewhat in the process of overhauling, you know, the entirety of the platforms that we utilize now. Um, and one of the components of that is really, uh, I guess you can say cross functionality. You know, if you're, if you're utilizing different software platforms for, um, you know, uh, litigation management or, and then, uh, uh, customer, uh, uh, you know, like a sales force or something like yeah, that. Yeah, customer the, relations. Right, customer relations. The, the easier that those platforms can speak to each other and interact, um, 
the the better you are. Yeah, integration so, is key. Right. So, and and that's not easy to pull off um, when nope. you're dealing with some of these companies that that cater to, you know, uh, like a billing platform um, and getting those those their software and their programs to really speak to the customer relations uh, component. Um, it's not always easy. Uh, yeah. So. Um, but definitely we're, like I said, we're kind of in the process of overhauling that, uh, that aspect of our firm. How big is the firm? How many people do you have total? We have roughly, uh, a hundred employees overall. Um, okay. half, of that, yeah, half of that is about, uh, is we have half of that as attorneys. Okay. That's so, a good size firm. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you have an office in Naples too. Correct. We have an office in Naples now. I want to say going on five years. Um, Why Naples? That's interesting. I uh, opportunity uh, for one, and uh, my partner that that uh, is a transplant from from the Northeast as well. I uh, I believe his wife had some family down there, and, and um, uh, some reasons for being down there other than business, but definitely uh, definitely a hotbed of activity in terms of. Uh, policyholders, high, high uh, net worth individuals that we are attempted to service down there as well. Um, so, may it was a natural fit, uh, organic, as I, I was yeah. saying before. Same thing out in California. Um, you know, uh, just trying to capitalize on that local market and, and build a presence out there as well. We're in California. Uh, Temecula. It's probably it's Southern California. It's probably half hour 45 minutes outside of uh, san diego okay yeah yeah, yeah. sure interesting yeah. interesting so, spots from a connecticut based firm yeah we've we've explored for a while uh going into you know manhattan and uh the the benefits in my mind are, are just less clear from doing so i mean we've, yeah. we've been able to develop a presence in that market without having to incur the overhead of you know, either buying uh, land or or uh, renting uh, office space, um, you know, all the costs associated with that. So, um, but it made sense to go into these other markets uh, to build build yeah, yeah. name recognition up. So, um, we're good places to vacation. I mean, when you're ready to retire, those are good places to go. They are. They are. <laughs> uh, some other areas, you know, we've been contemplating. Uh, Boston again. That's that's another market that's that's hot. Um, Texas, Texas definitely, and and Chicago. Uh, some well, you're going after big urban centers where there's a lot of construction activity, that's right? It. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's that that's sense. it. Yeah. F you know, Florida, California, um, New York. Those all made sense, and there was a natural gravitation gravitation there. So yeah, that makes um, that make that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well, listen, let me wrap it up here with you. Uh, parting words you want to leave with people that you want them to know about the firm and the best way to connect. Um, parting thoughts uh, about the firm. You know, we've one thing to keep in mind is that the firm itself and, uh, you know, definitely something that I try and prioritize and uh hold up as a value is the service of clients the service of others you know you you as a as a lawyer and as a firm i think 
you have to be able to prioritize client needs, right? Anticipate and um, just put yourself second, I guess you could say, you know, you, you need to be able to prioritize uh, the client's needs and uh, work hard for them. I think we maintain kind of a small firm uh, view and outlook in that sense. We are, we're, we still remain hungry and we still are willing to go uh, that extra mile in order to make sure that the best interests of our clients are really served and met. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of old school in that regard as far as uh, elbow grease and, and putting the time in. There's nothing else you can do other than just putting that time in hard work. So, yeah. uh, that's that's it. Any any insurance issues or uh, needs or guidance that you may have, we are available. Um, and uh, feel free to reach out. Cool. And we, we got your website here, so we, we know how to get in touch with you. Um, well, good. This has been a pleasure, uh, Richard Brown again. And I got to read it: Sachs, Dorn, Berger, and Vita. Very good. Perfect. And not just Connecticut. You guys are like taking over the world. National, nationally, we've handled some, uh, you know, international matters, but we we do have a firm presence nationally. So, if you have an issue in another state outside of California, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, by all means, um, we have attorneys that are licensed to practice there, and we have a relevant experience. So, Excellent. give us a call. Good. Well, this, uh, thank you very much. This, uh, this show, by the way, is sponsored by Emotion Track with a C, and we are a legal tech platform that helps litigators do case prep for mediation or trial. Thanks. Thanks a ton, Rich. Thank you. Appreciate it.